Thanks to ZipRecruiter, which is the presenting sponsor of Recode Decode and The Smartest Way to Hire. Running a business is full of tough calls. One of the biggest, hiring. Finding the right people to keep your business moving and growing isn't easy, but ZipRecruiter has found a way to streamline the process. Their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to actively find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So if you're hiring, it's time to get smart. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode, and you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech and the week's news. You can send us your questions on Twitter with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. We also have an email address, tooembarrassed at recode.net. Reminder, there are two R's and two S's in Embarrassed. Today on Too Embarrassed, I'm very excited to talk to Jaron Lanier. He's a scientist at Microsoft Research and is best known to a lot of people as a virtual reality pioneer. But most recently, he's the author of a book called 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Jaron, what timing. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having <laughs> I me. I did an interview with Mark Zuckerberg about this issue last week. He didn't uh-huh. have a lot of good answers on my questions. So we're, we have a lot of uh, questions to you from our listeners, but first let's talk about a book and explain why you wrote it. You're known for virtual reality and a lot of other things. This is sort of a, is this a shift for you? A little bit. No, not really. I've been writing critiques of the way we've been doing things in Silicon Valley since the early 90s. You have, indeed. Yeah. I I started to feel we'd taken a wrong turn back then. Mm-hmm. I thought um, a couple of things were mistakes. I thought this idea of trying to make everything free in exchange for advertising would inevitably lead to a manipulative society where there mm-hmm. are always other people in between everything trying to advertise, right. you know. And so, uh, and I think that that prediction sadly has come about. Mm-hmm. I even wrote a piece in 92 suggesting that someday there might be little AI programs trying to calculate how to manipulate people and those things would go to war with each other and eventually make society crazy enough to throw elections. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. What else did you say in those things? Many dark things. It's like things. revelations. Well, you Rebel- know, the thing is, fire. I wasn't the first to point out these dangers. Mm-hmm. I, I would date that... Um, Back to Norbert Wiener Mm -hmm. in the very earliest days of computation, and he was worried about exactly these sorts of societal effects in a book called The Human Use of Human Beings, Mm -hmm. that you could set up a computer to be like an automated behaviorist to manipulate people, and it would eventually become so cheap to do that you could create an insane, dysfunctional, unhappy society pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what we've done, or at least what we're doing, and I do believe there are better ways. So... In addition to the work with virtual reality and other things, I've I've been concerned for quite a while with how we could restructure our digital civilization. So it's just mm-hmm. not so creepy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you mix in Donald Trump and you got a a lovely brew. Well, or he's, oh, he's a creature of it in a lot of ways. We'll get to, we'll get yeah, to him yeah, in a yeah. minute. Yeah. But so you decided to write this book, 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Why did you decide to do the book on this? Well, you know, what happened is last year I published a book called Dawn of the New Everything, which Mm -hmm. was my memoir about the early days of Silicon Valley and virtual reality and all kinds of things. And it was kind of a labor of love. I I wrote it during a difficult period in my life. My wife had been battling cancer, and this book was written largely in overnight stints waiting for results at the hospital and that sort of thing. And I finally got it out there. And then when I was talking to the media, to you guys, (laughs) about it, everybody was asking me questions about the election and social ills from social media and the increase in depression and teen suicide from social media and all these things. And so what I realized is that... uh, my early 
critical writing had spurred interest in what I'd have to say about these things. And I really compiled this book in response to the media um, demanding that I come up with things to, to answer for, mm -hmm. you know, to explain how things went so wrong. So um, it wasn't a book I planned to write. Um, I'd already written some of these ideas years earlier, actually, mm -hmm. but I, uh, in a way, it's a it's a bit of an update and a compilation of earlier criticism. But now it's of the moment. It's mm -hmm. an entirely different thing. You know, when when you predict dark things, your fondest hope is to be wrong, right? You know, and it's really no consolation at all to be right about mm -hmm. dark predictions. But anyway, that's that's what happened for me and other early critics. And so, I have this book, and um, my fondest hope for it is, um, I think, realistic. I know there's no chance in hell that everybody's going to get off these things all at once because right. lots of people are psychologically addicted. No, it's crack. It's crack. It's, it's yeah. It's like it's like gambling addiction. Right. And but at the same time, um, there's network effects where everybody is already on them. So if you want to just organize a soccer game for your kids or something, the you know, it's very hard to do it without these same tools. So I totally understand that most people are not going to get off of these things just because I wrote a book. Mm -hmm. However, um, I'll tell you, there are two precedents that kind of inspire me that both involved mass addiction. One was um, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, and the other was the, um, the movement to reduce cigarette smoking in right. public. Both of those were asking large numbers of people who were chemically addicted to change their behavior, which seemed like an impossible ask. Right. But the only reason that was possible is that there were at least a few people who were outside of the addiction who could look at it from the outside and get some perspective and then communicate that perspective. And that's what I'm afraid we're lacking now. Again and again, when I talk to journalists about this, they feel guilty about it, but they know they, they are themselves addicted to Twitter. Right. They, uh, it's just so hard to create a space where we can talk about this problem from outside of it. So if I can inspire even a few people to get outside of it, it I think it can create enough of a space in society to have that conversation and to start to address it. That's a very good comparison to both those things, especially because everyone used to smoke cigarettes. They did. They were addicted to them. And I, I, you don't see it anymore. You don't, it's, and it's unusual when you do. Yeah, yeah. And so, now you see marijuana in, in San Francisco, but... Well, I mean, marijuana is not technically as addictive no, as... No, not at all. No, I'm just yeah. saying something of smoking. That's the last, the recently, the last the thing, time yeah. I've seen people smoke. But alcohol and cigarettes are two examples of how society really can address mass addiction. So mm -hmm. I feel very hopeful. But I like the I term think, mass addiction that you're using, because I think that's exactly right. It's a yeah, mass addiction. Yeah. It's sort of like sugar. Sugar is a... Well, uh, sugar is another one, yeah. yeah. Um, the sugar one is interesting because it also has commercial interests, just like uh, social media, the, right. the manipulation machines. Um, you go to a health food store, there's nothing without sugar. Yeah, It's like this pervasive corruption of the idea of health food. Yeah, um, And so it's a similar problem and it'll take a lot of work, but it's not as drastic or as important as uh, the social media right. addiction problem. All right. We're going to get some questions right now because we have so many of them. Um, let's start with uh, Tatiana Mahmoud. Civil society has been completely absorbed into social media since social and political debate is happening in these forums. For the good of the body politic, maybe we should figure out how to engage more productively in social media instead of disengaging entirely. Now, you're, you're calling for 10 hours for deleting it, not yeah. using it. So well, she's saying you have to be part of it. Yeah, see, well, that's, that's the tricky thing. And I can't speak to anyone's individual life, so it's very possible that for this person that's true. I would at least ask... 
the, the writer to examine very carefully if it's really true, because sometimes it might not be as true as you think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, I would just put forward that at the very least, I'm part of the conversation. I'm able to sell books. I appear mm-hmm. on media and I have no social media accounts. Mm-hmm. And uh, somehow it works. And maybe for some reason I'm so exceptional that that it wouldn't work for anybody else. But I mm-hmm. doubt that very much. I don't think I'm that exceptional. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and I suggest in one of the arguments in the book, the one about politics, that mm-hmm. oftentimes when people think they're being productive and improving society on social media... Actually, they're not because the part of the social media machine that's operating behind the scenes, which are the algorithms that are attempting to engage people more and more and influence them on behalf of advertisers and all of this, are turning whatever energy you put into the system into fuel to drive the system. And it often is the case that the fuel you put in is better at driving the reaction than the original. So um, the enthusiasms that drove the Arab Spring turned out to be even more efficient for introducing the people that turned into ISIS to each other and recruiting for them. Uh, Black Lives Matter in the U.S. turned out to be more efficient for creating a resurgence of the KKK and neo-Nazis that Mm -hmm. we hadn't seen in in memory, you know. So uh, it might seem to you like you're using social media more and more effectively, Mm -hmm. but so far the pattern is is that you're wrong. You're right, right. Good point. That's a fair point. John Pincus, how does he respond to the argument that without viable alternatives, walking away from Facebook or social media more generally is a privilege? Hmm. That's correct. It's very true. It's one that Mark makes. He made to me last week before he. Yeah, no, Mark's Mark's been making that point that it's it's sort of like a a leftist point to try to diffuse criticism from the left. Mm -hmm. Here's what I'd say if you're privileged enough to have the option of walking away from social media and Mm -hmm. yet you don't, you're failing to use your privilege to defeat a system that traps other people who are less fortunate than you. You have even more of a responsibility to see if you can get out of it than someone who genuinely is dependent on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that argument has a situation exactly backwards. I mean, um, I and you and the people we tend to know are privileged. Mm -hmm. We're wealthier than average. We have more options. That puts a moral onus on us to make some decisions that do what little we can to help those who are less fortunate. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things. If you are actually in a position to quit and you don't, you're making yourself part of the problem. You're not doing anything to free those who are more trapped. You're only enslaving them more by entrenching a system. Mm -hmm. As an affluent or valuable person to the system, you're the one that the whole system is being funded by. Right. So quit, for God's sakes, if you can. That's right. your responsibility. And what about that idea is without viable alternatives? I mean, one of Mark's arguments last week is like, we don't have commun- churches anymore or groups or bowling clubs or this and that. Yeah, that's something that concerns me a great deal. I think we made a gigantic error in the dawn of the Internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, f- historically, I was very much around it. I was... Mm-hmm hanging out with Al Gore when he mm-hmm. um, helped fund the start of the internet. And I was the chief scientist of Internet 2, which was mm-hmm. the research consortium that figured out how to scale it in the 90s. So I was very much in these conversations. And at the time, 
there tended to be this very strong ideology of decentralization, and there still is. We still see it in the enthusiasm mm -hmm. for blockchain and so on. But the problem is, if you decentralize totally, so it's just a bunch of individuals, what tends to happen is instead of just a vast number of individuals working together, you tend to have authoritarian structures come about. Right, so, so there's one. Instead of just a world of people making their own websites and that we all had envisioned, we got a Facebook, right. which then dictates from on top who gets yep, to say what. Right. So um, I think decency in society and a sense of high standards and a sense of um, commitment come from intermediate scale organizations like, you know, churches, universities, guilds, unions, um, corporations with ethical standards, all kinds of structures. It's these in-between structures that people join voluntarily where you can mm -hmm. talk about excellence and talk about standards. You can't really do that globally or it no, turns into right. authoritarianism. They're, 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 and what's interesting is that there, there's supposed to be the many, and then there's always one. But now there's a lot of single ones, like Google, yeah. Facebook, and none of them compete with each other exactly. Yeah. If you try to impose excellence there's no from Microsoft, on top, there's you just, ten of them. There's, it's as if they. Yeah, there's just these tech giants. It, that doesn't work. What there should be is a million medium-sized things right. that people join voluntarily that compete on the basis of their standards and their achievement. Yep, yep, um, yep. That's how things have worked in the past. That's why. Um, a magazine with uh, with uh, its own reporters can do higher quality stuff than some mass volunteer effort that can be easily corrupted by trolls or Russians or whatever. Right. So um, I think the urgent thing is that we come up with these intermediate, this sort of coarse grained structure. Can I be slightly geeky? Yes, please do. <laughs> when you're trying to make a machine learning algorithm, you need to have this thing called the intermediate layer, which mm -hmm. are the accumulators in the middle. From a formal perspective, that's the same thing as these coarse grained mm -hmm. structures. If you just have a global structure of, of individuals, you, you can't have a society that learns or keeps standards or has memory. It's it, it's a sort of the this, this social and political version of the same issue we have in machine learning that's on a, fair a point. abstract yep, that's level. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Next question, Adam Hevenard, this, you had so many questions. Is GitHub now owned by Microsoft, a social network, and should I delete my account? P.S. I can't and still do my job. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's going to stay on it. Um, he's going to stay addicted. Yeah. Uh, I, you know... Um, I don't know if GitHub's a social network. Maybe it is. It's an interesting question. It's uh, a useful one. It might link, be more of like Uber. Uber's like a utility. Like, I mean, you know, um, you Microsoft owns a couple of other things that are probably on the list, like LinkedIn, LinkedIn. and uh, maybe Skype. But you don't linger there, do you? You, don't, you use it and then well, get out. Okay, so um, not all of them are as bad. But here, I have a problem, which is... Um, uh, I'm uh, one of the first and now hardly the only figure who works within the industry who's also critical of the industry. And right. I, I have an arrangement with Microsoft where I'm encouraged to criticize right, them yeah. if I want to, He's so I care. will. Yeah. But I also um, find it a little awkward because I don't want to be partisan. Um, right. Just for those who think I'm just toting a Microsoft line, please remember I also sold a company to Google and I'm super yes. fond of it and have friends in the I don't other think companies. anyone thinks you're well, I always shell. I always worry. Anyway, so with Microsoft stuff, like um, I would say with GitHub and with LinkedIn, you see a lower level of trolls and a mm -hmm. lower level of um, just acidy, horrible personalities and conflicts mm -hmm. and ridiculous pissing matches. And I think the reason why is that people have something to accomplish while they're there. It's mm -hmm. not just pure social competition. It's not just pure mind games. Right. Um, 
And the theory I put forward in the book is there's actually a switch in our brains between being a lone wolf and a pack wolf. Mm -hmm. And when you're a lone wolf, you pay attention to your environment, you're a naturalist. And when you're a pack wolf, you pay attention to politics. Mm -hmm. And as long as there's something real for you to pay attention to, like your career or your code or just something real... I think people tend to not be as horrible to each other. Right. And so I think that's why there's like a little less horror in some parts of the Internet than others. Um, and I think one of the problems with situations like Facebook and Twitter in particular is people get so caught up in just relationships with others that they lose track of reality. And so right. they do tend to uh, spin out of control. They do, 100 percent. Yeah. All right. Jessica, so she, should he stay on it? Oh, just stay on it. It's not as bad. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it's a hellscape, I'll but not you, that bad. Well, there's, there's nothing's perfect, and right. I, I think I don't think any GitHub user will tell you it's perfect, but it's functioning. And I think there's something like that for LinkedIn. Uh, Tristan Harris has had interesting critiques of LinkedIn for using addictive techniques, so I'm, I'm not going to say that LinkedIn is right. perfect either. Right. Um, but I don't think either. You know what's a really good acid test? Mm. Have Putin's uh, intelligence warfare units try to infiltrate whatever the thing is. Right. And so by that test, Twitter's a problem, Facebook's a problem, Reddit's a problem, YouTube. YouTube's a problem. But GitHub, I don't think they're there, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, LinkedIn, I don't think they're there. Yeah. Um, so far, Snap, I think they're... No, they're they can't not, be in there. Yeah, so... They can't get in there. He's well, very... He controls it. He, they're he, pretty... They he controls and curates it. That's a very curated environment. Yeah, but on the other hand, Putin's people are clever. Yeah, so but where would they get in? Like, do you use that? There's nowhere to get in. There's like, there's the <laughs> list. There's the, they're like messages to each other. And but, well. There is nowhere to get in. Yeah. But the point, though, is that I think that's an acid test. Right. I think the Putin test is the right one. The Putin test. I love that. Yeah. I love that, Jeremy. Yeah. All right. Jessica, so the Putin test should be for everything. Uh-huh. We have not passed it very well. Jessica Swarmer, um, I have not read, so forgive me if I've already answered. What do you recommend for people who feel the need to have accounts, writers need to promote work, need to prove large following with, to help with publication, but who feel mental health drawbacks and want to delete? Right. Well, so I get this question a lot. Um, I want to point out something, which is that um, as is famously known, there's a tremendous real estate push on places like San Francisco, where we are now, and, mm -hmm. and New York City. People still need to get to physical places. So just being there is already the real social network that mm -hmm. isn't actually controlled by anybody. And right. like, do events, get out there, talk to people. The other thing is you can make your own website. Mm -hmm. The other thing is you can work with publishers who like to promote things. The other thing is you can organize events in cool ways. You can you can um, do interesting social things that are uh, like fundraisers that serve multiple purposes at once, yeah. like in the real world with real people. Um, and I'm... <sighs> I don't know. Maybe if I was on social networks, maybe if I had accounts, I could sell a few more books. But yeah. I feel like I've done pretty well. Yeah. Like it's competitive yeah. out there, and I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually doing pretty well as a writer. So I don't. I I kind of feel like once again, I've proven you can do it. Yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. interesting, absolutely. Several questions from Productive Citizen. His is at Techno Sucks. Okay. <laughs> do you think we will ever see another social platform emerge at the expense of Facebook's dominance? Will people eventually stop using social media? Or are we a mindless lemming that just love being abused by these platforms? And three, one about, v I'll get to the VR, AR, uh, is about AR, VR, convergence device with path-through cameras, a better solution than translucent ah. HMDs like HoloLens. Let's mm -hmm. do the yeah, first yeah, yeah. one. Do you think they'll ever see another social platform emerge at the expense of Facebook's dominance? or have they? It's an interesting question. It might start to happen nationally or regionally. Mm -hmm. I think that... Um, We've already seen Facebook um, blocked in, in one country, um, 
uh, well, I mean, it's blocked actually in a few countries, but there's one country trying to make its own national alternative, which is Papua New Guinea of all places. Wow. So it's conceivable that if things continue to go bad, as badly as they have been, you might start to see nations um, try to break off pieces of Facebook for themselves or something. I think that's one option. I think there's also a possibility that could really bite Facebook in the butt pretty badly, Mm -hmm. which is its own engineers just getting fed up with the morally compromised position that they're in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Will people actually stop using social media or are we mindless lemmings that just love being abused? Oh, the lemmings. Hey, let's defend the lemmings for a second. This whole thing about the lemmings flying off the cliff was staged for a documentary. It's fake. It's it's an early rehearsal for fake news. So what would that be? Zombies? What? 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 I mean, you know, there isn't any precedent for a whole society be- being put under continuous behavior modification, um, surveillance, and control. There has been exactly there have been societies right. with universal surveillance and universal indoctrination. North Korea is a current example of one. But they resist. But this idea that you're constantly in a Skinner box—that's yeah. a new thing. Uh, so I don't think there's any precedent. I think we're meta lemmings. Yeah, meta lemmings. Oh, wow, I love yeah. that. But of course, the lemmings are true. It's unfair to lemmings. And what about VRR? <laughs> is AR convergence device with pass-through cameras a better solution than translucent HMDs like HoloLens? Would you please translate that for the people? Yeah, so if you want to do... So mixed reality is my old term, right. and then um, yeah. augmented came later, and you can stay up all night arguing with somebody yeah, about what the difference is. I like I don't mixed e- reality. Yeah. I don't even know anymore. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> in either case, you're seeing the real world. You're seeing extra stuff that isn't real that mm-hmm. seems to be there. So there's two ways to do it. One is you have optical pass-through where you're still seeing the photons from the real world and then you mm-hmm. have some way that you add the stuff like some kind of special lens or something or all you see is video and there's video cameras capturing the real world so um, both of them work uh, I've seen excellent examples of both of them uh, the uh, uh, to do video pass through you really have to have high performance because um, you'll get sick you know so you need right. to be around seven or eight milliseconds um, there is um, <laughs> with video pass through I'll tell you what my problem is with it uh, ethics. So far, since in my view, the economy of digital information is so corrupt and has such horrible incentives that are that prioritize manipulation above everything else, I'm not willing to give up the direct contact with the real world. And I don't think it's ethical to make a video pass-through headset yet. Someday when we have better economics, then it'll yep. be a purely technical decision. It'll be for free. And honestly, both ways work fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't even think it's an important decision. But for now, ethics dictate that we do optical pass-through. Liz Weeks, full disclosure, I haven't read all his books yet, but how much of why we should delete social media is inherent in social media versus how it's been developed so far, is there a way to isolate the good parts of social media? You talked about this. Yeah, I very strongly feel that we can isolate the good parts of social media, which are very real and very true, and just cut off and incinerate the bad parts. And the bad parts can be described very clearly as the manipulation engine. It's the algorithms that are measuring you and then calculating what you should experience in order to change your behavior according to an algorithm. It's that manipulation engine that's the problem. It's not the smartphone. It's not the general idea of social media. It's not the general idea of the internet. Internet. It's none of those things. It's really the manipulation machine. And that's the thing that needs to be shut down. Well, you know, the utility of it was what was good about it. The utility. And actually, when I first met Mark Zuckerberg, the first time we met, he talked about it like a utility. But unfortunately, it's not a lights on thing. It's become something very different than a utility. Well, one of the earliest stories to emerge from social media, this was even before mm-hmm. Facebook existed, that um, I found very moving was that people with unusual illnesses could find each other and share experiences. Yep. And I that sort of thing is valid. So in the last few years, when my wife's been battling cancer, 
we had a hope that we could go online and find useful information. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that there's such a giant mountain of manipulative and deceptive crap that nobody has enough time. Nobody can take the effort to cut through it. Because you're sick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's essentially become worse than useless. This beautiful thing. Google's easier. Just Google things. Well, even even then. Even when you Google things, like, I I mean, I could give you some specific examples, but the truth is that the whole thing is corrupted through and through because of perverse incentives. Where people who want to add good information have only altruism and no positive feedback and people who want to add bad information have monetary incentives plus a lot of positive feedback they get better strokes actually so the truth is that it's very hard to get good information it's a good idea that badly done i think is what you're talking about well the potential's still there i mean the I still am an internet idealist. I haven't right. lost it. You know, right. it's been dark times and it's harder and harder to get anything good out of it. And yet I still believe that we should have it and that oh, it's a worthwhile project. I agree project. with you about fixing it. When I interviewed Mark last week, I said, you, you know, his their, their saying was move fast and break things. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, you move fast, you broke things. Now you better freaking fix them. Like they're, they're fixable in terms of how we do it. I think their incentives are all misaligned. Well, the thing... And the, uh, the compromise is so deep. There's a thing that... Um, is very hard emotionally for the people who run the current big companies to mm-hmm. do, which is they have to uh, change their business model. They have mm-hmm. to move away from manipulation as the product being sold to some other formulation where they're just selling a service. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that manipulation is kind of a power trip, you know? It yeah. makes you more the center of the universe than if you're just brokering They also won't goods and face services. it. I, I did an interview with Tim Cook where he was saying just what you were saying and he was like this is based on a thing that never will work like eventually it always becomes manipulative mm-hmm. no matter what you do and the response from Facebook and Mark was guess what Apple's really expensive that was and instead of saying huh that's a really interesting observation maybe I should think about it they're like they're elite they're they they sell for too much money and I was like that's not really news and it's not really the point of what he was saying. right no I, I mean I, th- I I think I answered this already earlier yeah. that saying that we're manipulating the world and ruining because it otherwise would be unfair to poor people is right. just an incredibly uh, stupid I, I mean I, I don't even know how to respond yeah, to it because it's so dumb it. but I, can I point out something sure. about the tech yeah. companies first of right. all I like tech companies right. I like Silicon Valley I like big tech companies this is my right. world I like building big things mm-hmm. I love building big clouds mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. trying to fight giant algorithms and trying to see if we can make quantum computers work I love all these things so I'm not anti-tech companies but Yep. Of the top five, of the big five, um, notice something interesting. There's three of them that have been able to diversify their profit centers. All right. And those are the ones that do the least of the manipulation business mm-hmm. model. Apple, Microsoft, Amazon. Mm-hmm. You might have complaints about those companies. You probably should. Mm-hmm. But note that. The other two, Google and Facebook, they can they can diversify their cost centers to insane degrees, Google especially, coming up mm-hmm. with all these crazy things. But for profit centers, they are addicted in a way that makes You're them brittle. Right. So the thing is, I think changing the business model actually would allow them to diversify and would serve their shareholders. Yeah. I, I don't view this as being anything that's anti-Facebook. I really think what I'm saying is coherent with the interests of all the stakeholders in Facebook. Yeah, yep, that's a fair point. Uh, Robin Raskin, Jaren C. Seems like an all-in or nothing kind of guy. With VR, he was a big evangelist of mixed reality world. Now it's uh, get the hell out of Dodge. Is there a happy medium or is it, binge, is it part of a binge personality? What is the tipping point? Do, do you have to be a binge personality to be on social media, not that you're a binge personality. 
Um, well, like we were just saying, people yeah. want to hold on to parts of this. Well, I think the reason people want to hold on to parts of it um, is twofold. One part is because of genuine value, because mm-hmm. I, I do think there's a lot of genuine value and good stuff on social yep. media. I think it'd be um, I agree. dishonest to argue otherwise. And yet there's also this addictive element and there's an element of a network effect that keeps people in certain services that they might otherwise wish to, to move away from. Mm-hmm. As I said before, my advocacy is not to kill the very idea of social media, but rather the manipulation engine. And right now, the manipulation engine is the business model of big social media. Um, it's And as I've pointed out here and elsewhere, um, it's not even a great business model. So um, the deleting of the accounts is a way to create, as I said, a public space outside of the addiction sphere. What I, The outcome that I want eventually is to have the best of social media without the manipulation engine. Mm-hmm. That's where I want it to go. I think it's almost impossible not to be addictive. It's an addicted thing. The way you look at it, you could constantly find it. It's like getting a, like a little sugar pellet every second. I don't know if it's possible to use it and not feel addicted to it because it's so interesting. I think it uh, it is possible and... Um, I mean, this is like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's really a, an interesting question. Um, is it possible to be engaged with anything where it, it shouldn't count as addiction? Right. And so what we mean by addiction um, is uh, something that starts to have an ill effect on your character right. Right. that's involuntary and that sends you into a spiral. So um, I don't believe it's true that contact with other people over the Internet has to lead to an increase in, in teen suicide. That's mm-hmm. predictable. I don't think it has to uh, lead to a, uh, a predictable rise in intertribal violence and warfare wherever it shows up in the world. Mm-hmm. I really believe that those things are not needed. Um, and so uh, I, I also am not a utopian. I don't expect something to be perfect. Right. Uh, but I think what we have is just so deleterious. It's just so damaging. Mm-hmm that it's not survivable. Yep, absolutely. Keith Smith, will will there be live concerts in VR where everyone has the best seats in the house? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of entrepreneurs have tried to do that already. I'm sure uh, anyone with even a phone-based VR headset Mm -hmm. can get easy access to a few uh, sort of spherical concert recordings and things. Um, uh, (laughs) I've played around with a few crazy things like that that I've never released where you can go inside the instruments and all Mm -hmm. kinds of crazy stuff. Something like that could be good. I mean, I think the notion of live interaction th- with extraordinary qualities could be both a wonderful business and a wonderful cultural experience in the future. I, I have to say, I just did a thing. They have all these new VR. They, you put the head things on and then you basically wear a computer on your back. The head things? The head things. <laughs> but, you know, but we yeah. did it with four people and it was it was one of those rooms that in a mall. It was so much fun. Oh, yeah. I had such a lovely time with my kids. I did. It wasn't... It wasn't. It didn't make me feel the way digital often does. It didn't make me feel isolated. It didn't. Yeah. Make me, it was fun. It was a uh, fun. Did you do the one at Universal City Walk? No, no. Was it, it was a, in here. It was here, Westfield Mall. One oh, of the Westfield, Westfield Mall. Mall. Okay. There, there are three or four. It was super People fun. doing these now, which are like little location based, yeah. and they often have haptic elements. So it'd be hard yeah, to do at haptic, home. Yeah, there was haptic. There was wind. There was wind, some yeah, water. All there these was things. Some, yeah. I did um, Carne Arena, the one about immigrants. Right. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. um, Some of these are kind of better done. I I have to point out something, which is um, 
I'm kind of a Berkeley leftist by character, mm-hmm. but I cannot deny that economic incentives really kind of run the world. Right. And so here you have a situation where people make money based on your willingness to buy a ticket in the moment, and suddenly the content quality is higher, the curation is better, mm-hmm. and it lasts for more than three seconds, and it's kept right. up. Notice that incentives... Um, Another example I kind of like is uh, people used to say there's no way we could ever have people paying for video online because it's available for free. And, the, and yet Netflix happened. Yeah. And the reason I bring up these points is that when somebody has this kind of defeatist attitude that the current social mo- uh, media model where third parties are manipulating right. those who communicate with each one. other is the only possibility, we should point out that there's actually a world of other economic yep. models that have worked online, that do yep. work with digital media, and often work really well. Right. And this is one great example. Yeah, I have to say, I was I felt linked with them, but it was in the digital environment. We were obviously, my son, one son became a pirate lady. It was fun. He had a <laughs> right. good time playing like that. Um, you know the one... And we enjoyed each other. We, we enjoyed it together, even though it was ridiculous, but at the same time was really... And you could oh. see it iterating into something really... Entertainment's always going to be a little ridiculous. Yeah, but it was it. great. It was I, great. I kind of like the one that Walter Parks is doing with the... Um, it's called Dreamscape, I think. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, he's, um, he was a producer on Minority Report so many years mm-hmm. ago. And I love I know you were the... That's my one of my favorite movies, despite the fact that I hate Tom Cruise. <laughs> I well, watch we it over, I've watched it 10 or 20 times. We worked out a million years ago, and ever yeah. since then, he's been trying to get this thing going. And he has one of these things. They did a pop-up store in Universal City, mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the City Walk thing in L.A. Right. And um, I think I think they achieved a kind of a warmth and a rhythm to it, it that can. was really and you nice. Can see, I could see for the first time how warm and wonderful it could be. I was yeah. also on a, a roller coaster recently in uh, Hong Kong with you wore a VR. Yeah, right, it right. It was wonderful. <laughs> I, I tell you, I'm not... I'm not up for that, but I know people I have tell to me tell it's you, great. It was great because after a while, after the tenth roller coaster, you're like, oh, it's the same roller coaster. But this, yeah. it was wonderful. I was down under the sea, I, but you also were physically moving, so it was really quite something. I was really mm-hmm. pleased with it. Um, what's the most evil? This is Aaron Cohen. What's the most evil application of VR you've seen? Oh my gosh! Well, you had them in Minority Report a couple. Right? Well, my, you know, Minority Report is a really interesting Please example. Please go back and watch that. Jaron was an advisor to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I made up some of the technologies and scenes in it mm-hmm. and uh, some of them were actually the implemented. Hand thing, yeah. Well, the hand thing of course, the gloves, yeah. but also the uh, the machine vision where you're grabbed yeah. and put into an ad right, and yep. um, mm-hmm. the hero's trying to run away but shows up in yeah. ads. Yeah, so. Mr. Nakanomi last time you bought fleece or something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that was actually implemented. That was the first yep. uh, face tracker and face transformer mm-hmm. that ever existed, which we sold to Google. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, the the uh, <laughs> The thing about Minority Report it, from so long ago is is it was supposed to convey a dystopian future. It was supposed to be a warning. It was supposed to be an exploration of ethical failure mm-hmm. in digital devices. And instead, to this day, we'll be in some design meeting and somebody will say, oh, that's such a cool device idea. It looks like something from Minority Report. Uh-huh. And I just have to put my, oh, no, you did. my hands to my head and yeah. say, no. <laughs> oh my I love God. that movie. You're right. You're right. But I Why, think you get like, both messages. It's so hard. I mean, I... I adore technology and I adore that people love it so much. You know, of course, it's the future. Of course, we love it. It's our commitment to our own children and making the world better. But I... I, I don't know why it's so elusive to try to get at the ethical layer of it. And yeah. it's, it's so important. Well, there, there's lots of reasons for that. What's the most positive and world-changing application of VR you've seen? There you see with the other um, That is an interesting one. There's some specific ones in medical treatment that excite me a lot. Well, I'll use my wife's case. Um, long, long ago in the 80s, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I and some other people, including Anne Lasko and a surgeon mm-hmm. named Joe Rosen, made the first surgical simulator, a real-time one, mm-hmm. uh, using an early VR system at Stanford Med. Mm-hmm. And all these years later, my wife had to have a, a certain difficult operation for her cancer, and her surgeon had been trained by somebody who had been trained by Joe using a procedure designed in VR oh, and right. trained for in VR. So. so it all came around, wow. and it went great. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, how about that? That's so fantastic. This, when we do tech, it actually is real. It can help real people, including even us. Yeah, and simulations it does really, are really It does really important. come around. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Given your opinion regarding negative impact of open source communities or concerns about mob mentality, how can we possibly undo the consolidation control of media under the single roof called Facebook? <laughs> Yes, how can we rid ourselves of our boy prints? Well, I mean, what I would say is... <clears throat> He's not Joffrey, we, but... <laughs> we faced worse in the past, you know. Um, right. We faced addic- mass addictions in the mm-hmm. past, as mm-hmm. we described before. We faced uh, media monopolies in the past. We have had all these things. And uh, my sense is that things have generally gotten better over time, although it's been rocky. Yeah. But the reason it's gotten better is because of critics. It's because of people right. being demanding. So the way right. to be optimistic about this is to be critical of it. Yes. Um, the criticism has the optimism built in. Complacency does not. Complacent people are pessimists and um, kind of useless and destructive. Right. So I think in the very act of criticizing it, I'm expressing a hope that we'll find our way out. 100%. I like your thinking. It does have impact on people when you do criticize properly, when you do it Mm -hmm. properly. Peter Fasano, uh, each of the social platforms and mobile hardware activating digital wellness features into their product are alerts and limits the right mode of user engagement for those digitally addicted already a confirmation bias. Mm. Yeah, so that's a tricky one. I don't know if anyone has good universal data on how widespread these uh, these apps are that are trying to help people. Right, and Apple just hasn't released theirs yet, right? Yeah. The, the so Apple are. Apple is a proponent, and there are others Google. as well. Google just added some. And uh, I, it's a funny thing about these things that you you have to be empirical. Like we really have to do studies on what the real effects are with right. with people over time. You have to do both latitudinal and longitudinal studies, meaning a lot of people over a lot of time to understand it. Sometimes when you try to make things better, they get worse. Like you um, you put out um, a food with reduced sugar, and people eat more of it and end up right. with more sugar or something right. like that. Right. So you have to. I think it turning off your stuff, like you cannot access yeah. it if you give yourself self-imposed. It's almost like not buying sweets for your refrigerator. Well, you know what I do, um, and I realize not many other people are going to do this, but um, I need to have a smartphone on me just for practical stuff, like everybody. And uh, I, it's not because of a Microsoft affiliation, because nobody else at Microsoft does this. But I'm using a Windows phone precisely oh, because it's a dying. Have apps. <laughs> it's a it's a dying platform. It's not, a good phone. Nothing, you know. It's a great phone it's a actually, good phone. and. Uh, it's actually and a very good phone. I set it to uh, black and white, mm-hmm. uh, which is an, a frequent and I think good recommendation. Yeah, the grayscale. So, Let me say that everybody, if you have that, it's called grayscale. And it's you just on the Apple, you just uh, click it three times on the right on the new one. Yeah. Um, and on the on the Microsoft one, if anyone has one, it's it's yep. within the ease of access. It's considered a yeah. tool for people with uh, right. visual, uh, visual disabilities. Um, and... By using an out-of-date platform, you could also um, look at um, 
uh, what's the one from Canada with the little keys? I don't even remember. Oh, Blackberry. Anymore. Blackberry, yeah. Maybe yeah. the Blackberry would do this as well. Something where just the apps aren't even working. And then for texting, so far, we'll see where this goes with the end of net neutrality, but so far when you just text across phones, it's not feeding a, a manipulation network. No, 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 yeah. I text, yeah, texting. And so between those things, email and text, you can have a smartphone and do everything you need. You can get all the news you need. Right. You can, you basically are fully functional. There's no loss you can that also I can remove a lot of the, the, you know, one of someone was telling me talking about the idea of like just keep the utility things. Like you don't sit and linger on your Uber app. You just use it and then you're out of it. Um, you yeah. don't even linger on Google. You just search or, or a map. You don't linger on the map. You just well, use so it. you can use Google at least at least so far without an account. And it, also, you don't <laughs> let you like you get what you want and you go. Yeah. like you're you not can, spending a lot of time. And you know, put as many blockers as you can on whatever um, Google browser you use. Don't have an account. Don't have a Google account when you use Google or right. a Bing account when you use Bing, for that matter. Right. Just don't sign um, in. You can you can use it and not sign in. Well, that's tricky. Um, no, you can do it. I have a Gmail account and I don't sign in. You don't know what they've installed. I'm not sure. I have to yeah. say, I'm not sure. I know in the case of Facebook, they always install things that you basically can't get out of at all. But right. I don't. I don't know in the case of Google. I'm not sure. But um, I, I think you can invent these things on yourself. You don't really have to take my advice. Just come up with mm -hmm. ways of reducing the connection. And the thing about it is, by every measure, and this has actually been test been measured uh, by peer reviewed researchers. Mm -hmm. You know, you become better informed. You have more free time, and you become happier. Right. It's, so, like, why not? So, old phones, dump the apps, give, like, <laughs> a couple of things. Old turn, phone. Turn off anything that's an auto-feed. Like, if right. you're going to watch something on, on YouTube video, make sure you have it set in such a way. You only watch one thing. Yeah, and uh, th that can be a little tricky if you're not signed in and you have no account, but you can mm -hmm. do it. You can do. Right. You can certainly do it with browsers. Try to use the thing that's not what everybody else is doing, and that's a little confusing to any software that's trying to create a calculated experience so for Snapchat you. So Snapchat for all old people, right? <laughs> 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 you, you do catch on to it after a while. It's actually not that it. Well, my son uses it all the time. That's not true. He, when you get good at anything, you get fast. Um, well, like I said, I don't like to comment. And you know, one of the issues for me is I have friends at all the companies. Mm -hmm. I just I have a lot of friends at Snap. You know, and I don't want to. I everyone I have met, right. and I've met a lot of people at Google, Facebook, right. Twitter, Snap, all those companies. They are, for the most part, with a very few rare exceptions, in my view, people who are trying to do good for the world and are there in part because they're trying to do good for the world. So I, I don't, I don't vilify them. There's no point in that. But do protect right. yourself. Right. Okay. One last tip that people can can have. The most important, if you had to pick the ten things. Oh, if I had to pick a tip for how to live. Of the ten, yeah, of the ten well, arguments. What do you think is? Oh, the most? for me. And then you can give us a tip on how. The to live. latter arguments are more important than the earlier ones. Um, the latter ones being the economic argument, the political argument, the spiritual argument, and mm -hmm. the one that's probably the least familiar to people is the spiritual one. Mm -hmm. um, the economic one being that this free model is gradually telling us all that our data isn't worth anything, so we'll be replaced by robots that depend on our data, but we won't be acknowledged, so we'll have to go on some kind of giant basic income model because we'll be worthless. And it's like such a dark vision of society that yeah. it's almost unspeakable. Um, the political argument we already covered, that you think you're doing good with social media, but behind the scenes, the manipulation engine is actually finding all the worst people and empowering them. Mm -hmm. The spiritual argument is the one that I think people are less familiar with, which is that 
when you use social media, you're gradually engaging in rituals that make you buy into a whole way of thinking about life and death in the world in which you're one cog in a giant information machine. And um, there isn't a separate thing of consciousness, but rather um, information is what's real. Information meaning that which can be transmitted by a phone or a device. Mm -hmm. And that I think it gradually creates this sense of spiritual panic in people. And if anyone was going to read only one of the arguments, I might encourage them to look at that one because I think it's the one that's that should be better yeah. known that isn't. 100%. Or yet an app I have called We Croak. Do you know that? Yeah, <laughs> sure. That's very pleasing. It's very <laughs> pleasing to read death quotes all day long and then you sort of get a thing. I do grayscale most of the time, yeah. which is another thing. There's all sorts of little things you can do. You can also try to put it down. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, Leave it home. Another thing to do is uh, get an old battery. Yeah. So you can't use it too much during ah. the day. <laughs> You're going to tell me to ride a horse soon. I, so anyway, this has been Horses a wonderful... Horses are great. Horses are great. There's been another great episode of Too Much to Ask. I'm a huge fan of Jaron Lanier. Uh, his book, you absolutely have to buy. Say the name of it. It's called 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Yeah. Can I tell you just one sure. other thing? Absolutely. There's a cat on the cover of the U.S. edition. Mm -hmm. The U.K. edition has a mountain, but the U.S. one has a cat. Okay. And he's a real cat. All His right. name's Potato, and he was rescued from an Oakland parking lot. Okay. Potato's real, not he's digital? A, not digital. He's a real cat. Yeah, because cats are big on the internet, I hear. Yeah, I have a theory about that. Uh, uh, quickly. <laughs> it opens me. the book. I think the reason cats are so popular online is that they symbolize the independence that people are afraid of losing. Yeah. Cats okay. are not controlled by, uh, like, nobody controls your cat. Cats aren't truly domesticated. They can mm -hmm. still survive in the wild. They yeah. came to us. We didn't grab them and modify right. them. Um, and that's what we want people to be. We want people to be able to survive in the wild. We want people to be able to think yeah. for themselves. We want people to be individuals and not subject to constant predictable control. Right. And we're afraid we're losing our cat nature. Ah, but they make damn adorable videos, too. They when do. When they're playing the piano and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this has been a wonderful episode. You can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review there or just tell someone about the podcast. If you haven't already, go out and check our other shows. Uh, I host Recode Decode and Peter Kafka hosts Recode Media. If you have questions about any tech topic or the latest news, tweet them to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors and to Cadence 13 and Vox Media, which sells those ads so you can listen to this show for free. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask, so tune in then. 